Thank you, Pastor. It is a great joy to be here at the uh, Bethel Baptist Church this morning. And uh, I have certainly enjoyed the choir specials, the soloists, the ensembles, and uh, everything else. I never will forget many, many years ago, Dr. Monroe Parker telling about a group that he had led to Israel. And uh, they were at the garden tomb. And they just had a wonderful service. He said there was a farmer from Alabama that spoke up after they'd had this wonderful service. And he said everything in the sentence was grammatically wrong, but it was exactly right. And this is what the old farmer said. He said, there ain't nobody here today what can't say he got his money's worth, okay? So uh, I believe we could say that today. We have all enjoyed the wonderful singing uh, the praising God and wh what a great joy. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, Mission Conference. Uh, we mentioned it uh, Thursday night. <clears throat> we mentioned again this morning that a mission conference is a local church in business meeting deciding the fate of the heathen. What you do this week with what you've heard, what you will hear today, uh, will determine whether somebody can hear the gospel, have an opportunity to be saved like we are, or whether they will live all of their lives and never one time hear the gospel message. In Matthew chapter 28, we read these words, beginning with verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee. By the way, that's where Jesus did much of his preaching and teaching. And uh, that might have been the place where the 500 were gathered together at one time. Now, I'm not sure that's it, but many people believe it were. So Jesus had already said to the ladies at the tomb, now you go and tell <clears throat> my disciples to meet me in Galilee. Go to Galilee and meet me. So they're making good on that appointment. And when they had saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Let's pray. Dear Lord, what we've read this morning is not a request. It is not a suggestion. It is not just a good idea. It is the command of our commanding officer, Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning that you will speak to all of us here at Bethel Baptist Church about our individual part in getting the gospel out to all of the 7.7 billion people living on the face of the earth today. Thank you for what you've done already in our hearts and I pray you'll bless your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 
In the Bible, John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's talking about Jesus Christ. In verse 14 of that chapter, it says, And the Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh. In other words, God came to this earth. Somebody as well said you could translate that verse like this. God moved into our neighborhood. When Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem's manger, he was God in the flesh. He lived some 33 and a half years. From the time of his birth until the time that he said, it is finished, he had no sins whatsoever. The last words he said just before he went back to heaven was this, it is finished. And what he's saying is, I've done everything God sent me to do. By the way, remember the first words that he spoke? No, not the first words he spoke. The first words that are recorded. He was 12 years old. I'm sure it wasn't his first words, okay? But the first words recorded in the Bible was this. Wished you not that I must be about my father's business? And he said another time, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And then he said, I do always that which pleases my father. Wow. And when he said, it is finished, and the word literally means the debt has been paid, it is a finished transaction. And Jesus was saying, in essence, I have done everything that needs to be done in order for mankind to be saved. He kept the law. He lived a sinless life. He suffered and bled and died for sinners. He paid our sin debt. And he said in essence, it is finished. The debt has been paid. And then they put his body in a tomb. But thank God he was resurrected from the grave. And he walked upon the face of the earth some 40 days. And many of the post-resurrection ministries was around this. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. One time he said, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now what's Jesus doing? In all of these instances, this is what he's saying. Okay, I've done everything that needs to be done in order for mankind to be saved. Now he's talking to his disciples, so he's talking to you. If you're saved by the grace of God, you're his disciple. He's talking to me. He was talking to those first century Christians. And he said unto them, I've done everything that needs to be done in order for mankind to be saved. Now, I'm putting your hands, I'm committing to you the responsibility to get this message out to the whole world. Okay, 
Many times we make plans and we say, now if this doesn't work, we'll try this. We have plan B. What was God's plan B for world evangelization? Bottom line, he didn't have a plan B. What if those early disciples had failed? You and I would have never heard the gospel message. There was no plan B. God's plan for world evangelization in every generation is those who have been saved by the grace of God give and go and pray so the whole world can hear about him. Could I suggest this morning? Bethel Baptist Church has as much responsibility for world evangelization as did those early disciples that Jesus spoke to on that Galilean mountain. Now, sometimes we're not careful. We'll make world evangelism very difficult. I often say, some Baptist preachers have a very difficult time making simple things difficult. But this morning, let's make it real simple. In order to evangelize the world, all that you really have to have is number one, you have to have some people going. That's necessary. By the way, everybody can go somewhere. Now, you may not can go to Africa. You may not can go to the far north. You may not uh, can go to some other country, but you can go to the next room in your home and evangelize your family. You can go across the street and evangelize your neighbor. You can go across town and, and, and evangelize others. In other words, everybody can go somewhere. I love the verse in Isaiah 6. Isaiah had seen the great, Thrice holy God. Wonderful, wonderful vision. And then he said, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And you remember what Isaiah said? Here am I, send me. In other words, Lord, would you let me go? And that's what every one of us ought to be saying this morning. Somebody must go. If we're going to evangelize the world, somebody must pray. By the way, we can all go, and isn't it a wonderful thing? We can all pray. If we give our missionaries the money and do not back that up with our prayers, we are doing our missionaries an injustice. So somebody must go, somebody must pray. And what we're thinking about this morning is if the gospel is going to be preached around the world, then somebody must give. Somebody must give. Turn your Bibles, if you would, over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I believe in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and chapter 9, the two chapters, that God has given us his plan for financing world evangelization. At the end of the service today, everyone will be given a faith promise commitment card. It's a very simple card. It simply says in 
As God enables me, I will help take the message of Jesus into the world by giving through the mission program of my church, Bethel Baptist Church, X number of dollars per week. Okay? X number of dollars per week. And everybody is going to be asked to make a commitment to give something above your regular tithe and offering for world evangelization. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about an offering. If you read those two chapters, it'd be a wonderful thing to do that this afternoon, not while I'm preaching this morning, okay? But this afternoon, be good to read chapters 8 and chapter 9. Maybe take you 10, 15 minutes, something like that. Won't take long. But you'll notice he's talking about an offering. Now, the offering was not for the church at Corinth. It was to be given through the church at Corinth, but it was not for the church at Corinth. It was going for others. And when Bethel Baptist Church supports something outside of your own area, then you think about the term missions. You may support missionaries. Uh, you may support church planners in your country. Uh, you may support a Bible camp or a Bible college, things of that nature. But that's something outside of your church, and that's missions. So in reality, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is about missionary giving. In all chapter 8 and all chapter 9, he's been talking about giving and receiving and, and so forth. And look at chapter 9 and verse 6. Look what it says. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. This morning, let's think about the ABCs of faith promise giving. In other words, ABCs, that, that's the first thing we learn in school, okay? So the ABCs of faith promise giving. Now, Paul has been talking about giving and receiving, been talking about offering, and he gets down to verse 6 and he makes this statement. But this I say, look at it very carefully. This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, he's been talking about giving and receiving, making an offering, and all of a sudden he starts talking about sowing and reaping. Has he done like we as Baptist preachers do a lot of time and gotten off of his subject? I never will forget preaching in West Virginia many, many years ago. And I got so involved in the illustration then when I finished my illustration, I had no idea where I was in my sermon. Must have been a good illustration. And there were two missionaries sitting on the front seat. So, uh, Miss Perry, you better be careful, okay? And I had to look down at them and say, now, where was I in my sermon, okay? Is that what happened to Paul? No. In verse 6, he's giving us an analogy. And this is what he's saying. Giving and receiving is like sowing and reaping. Or sowing and reaping is like giving and receiving. Sowing 
and reaping is like giving. So in verse six, I want us to think about the principles involved in faith promise giving. The principles involved in faith promise giving. And uh, uh, let's think about the principles of sowing and reaping. And don't worry, I'm not going to boggle your mind with my great knowledge of agriculture. I have very little knowledge, okay? But if the little children that had stayed in here, they would have understood these three, these four principles. Principle number one, we reap what we sow. Principle number two, we reap after we sow. Principle number three, we reap in a proportion as we sow. Principle number four, we reap more than we sow. So let's think about them, okay? By the way, all of them refer to giving and receiving about missions. So let's go over them. We might change the, uh, the sequence just a little bit. Principle number one, you reap what you sow. If we'll be real honest with ourselves this morning, most of us will have to admit, I spend most of my time, most of my talent, most of my treasures on earthly, temporal things. Guess what I'm going to reap? Earthly, temporal things. If I want anything to last for eternity, then I'm going to have to start using my time and my talent and my treasures for spiritual, eternal things. Listen to the way Jesus put it. Matthew chapter 6. Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust are corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. You know what he's saying? Don't get too heavily involved in accumulating earthly temporal things, but get heavily involved in spiritual, eternal things. If you want anything to last for eternity, then we're going to have to start using our time and our talent and our treasures for spiritual, eternal things. You reap what you sow. Number two, you reap more than you sow. Uh, when you plant a grain of corn in the ground, do you expect to reap a grain of corn? No. You plant a grain of corn in the ground. By the way, I, I, I love this stand. It's not mine. I did not originate it, but I love it, okay? Tithing is a debt I owe. When I tithe, all I'm doing is giving back to God what was his. That's a debt I owe. Giving is a seed I sow. And by the way, when you plant a seed, you don't say, well, that's the end of that seed. No, that's not the beginning. Of it. You're expecting something from it. So here's the statement. Tithing is a debt I owe. Giving is a seed I sow. Now look what happens to one grain of corn planted in the ground. The first thing that happens to that grain of corn is it dies. In the process of dying, it produces a stalk of corn. And that stalk of corn will have at least two ears of corn. And each of those ears of corn will have about 750 grains of corn. And in one growing season, one grain of corn has been responsible for producing 
Think about it, 1,500 grains of corn. If you and you and you and you and you and you and you, if we could only see how much God is doing with what we're giving to missions, I believe all of us would want to give more. When you give to missions and the missionaries go to the mission field and they preach the gospel and people get saved and then some of those who get saved will become soul winners and some of them will become preachers and some of them will become missionaries and churches will be established and it just keeps growing and growing and growing and one day in heaven we'll see all of the wonderful things that God did through our giving. You reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow. But by the way, you will reap in proportion as you sow. In other words, the more you sow, the more you're going to reap. Many years ago, I was pastoring in Providence, Kentucky. And there was a small village not too far from Providence, uh, Diamond, that was the name of the village. And at that time, they didn't have a pastor, so they had church on Sunday afternoons. And I went over there and preached one Sunday afternoon. And uh, but, but when they took the offering that day, they said, now, now, Brother Sisk is here, and he came from Providence, and so we're going to take up an offering, and all of our offering today will go to him. And I was sitting on the front seat, so uh, when the offering plate was passed, I put a dollar bill in the offering plate. We had the service that day, and at the end of the service, they gave me an envelope with the offering, and on the way back to Providence, which is only about 30 miles from Diamond, I said to my wife, Virginia, I said, well, I think I'll see what the offering was. I looked in the envelope, and guess what was in there? A $1 bill. And I said to Virginia, I put a dollar bill in the offering, and they said they were going to give me all the offering, and that's all that's in the envelope. And she started laughing. And all I could think was, honey, it's not funny, Okay. <laughs> And finally, she just kept laughing. And I said, what in the world is so funny? And she said, you know, Don, if you would have put more in, you would have gotten more out. You ever hear the song? I wish I had given him more. That's talking about when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And we see Jesus face to face. We'll wish we'd have given him more. But guess what? It'll be too late then. But now we can decide to do that. You're going to reap in proportion as you sow. And then the last one is this. You reap after you sow. And that might be the hardest one to think about. You reap after you sow. I've had at least three people make this statement to me. And maybe more, but I can think about three. Brother Sisk, if I had a million dollars, I'd give half of it to missions. Now, so far, I've never had a millionaire tell me that. Amen. And many times when people make a statement like that, they don't have anything. Oh, if I had a million dollars, I'd give half to them. But wait a minute. God is not concerned what we would do if we had a whole lot of money. All God is concerned about is 
What are you going to do with what I've already given you? Now, what they were saying is this. If I could reap something, then I'd start sowing something. But it don't work like that. If some fellow would come in here some prayer meeting night and say, uh, Pastor Perry, I want you to pray for me. I'm a farmer. I'm not going to plant any seed this spring, but you pray God will give me a good crop in the fall. And if I ever get a good crop in the fall, I'll start planting something. Now, what would you say about somebody like that? Wait a minute. His elevator don't go quite all the way to the top. Amen. <laughs> I mean, something's wrong with that kind of thinking. But if we're not careful with things, oh, if I had this and that, I, no, no, no. We reap after we sow. For instance, Malachi 3, bring you all the tithes in the storehouse and see if I'll not open the windows of heaven. When's he going to do that? After you bring the tithe. Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. When's it going to be given to you? After you start giving. So you reap after you sow. The sequence is always the same. So the principles. Involved in faith promise giving. We reap what we sow. We're going to reap more than we sow. We're going to reap in proportion as we sow. And we're going to reap after we sow. Now look at verse 7. And I want you to think about the purposing of the giver. Look at verse 7. Every man... According as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now look at that phrase again. Every man. And by the way, it is not talking about gender there, okay? Sometimes you read that and it says every man and all the ladies say amen, let the men give. But he's not talking about Gender, he's talking about mankind. In other words, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, everyone ought to give something. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. Okay? When I first started going to church in Norton, Kentucky, after I got saved, there was a man by the name of Mr. Burba. And he ran a restaurant across from the, 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 uh, the church, and it was a deacon. And many times, pastor would call on him to pray. And I don't remember all the things he said and so forth, but I, I never will forget. Every time he would lead the prayer for the offering, he would end the prayer like this. Dear Lord, bless those who give and those who can't give. So when I started praying for the offering, occasionally when pastor would call on me, I thought, that's a pretty prayer. And I began to pray like it. Dear Lord, bless those who give and those who can't give. And then lo and behold, one day I was reading this verse and I thought, I looked at it, I looked at it, I looked at it, I thought, that doesn't say anything about those who can't give. Wonder why? Everybody could give something. Is there anyone here today that could not give, say, $1 a week to missions? Or even a dime a week to missions? Is there anybody? No, no. 
Everybody can do something. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So God expects, and not, not me, this is not Don said, but God that wrote this Bible, he expects every one of you, you and you and you and you, and it doesn't matter who you are, God expects every one of you to give something to missions. It's his word, not mine. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl giving something every week for world evangelization. So after I saw that, I changed my praying. And instead of praying and say, Lord, bless those who give and those who can't give, now I pray, Lord, bless those who give and whip those who won't give. <laughs> and you know why? Giving is not a matter of can or can't. Giving is a matter of will or want. So this morning, either you will give something to missions or you won't. Either you will give something to missions or you won't. Either you will give something to missions or you won't. And either you will give something to missions or you won't. And one day, by the way, you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to have to answer to Jesus. You don't have to answer to your pastor. You don't have to answer to me. But you're going to have to answer to Jesus Christ about how you used what he put in your hand. And he expects everybody to give something to mission. Now look at it again. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Look at the word. Purposing in his heart. Purposing in his heart. In other words, the word purposing means to think about to pray about, to get the mind of God. In other words, not just figuring out what I can do. Faith promise giving is not just reasonable giving. Faith promise giving is revelational giving. Pray. Get the mind of God. Think about it. What would God have me to do every week above my tithing offering for world evangelization. Now we did this Thursday night, but I want you to do it again with me, okay? Now listen very carefully. I'm going to make a statement and I want you to say it after me. Now again, I'll say, if you do it real well the first time, we'll just do it one time, okay? Thursday night, they didn't do it very good the first time, okay? So we had to do it again. But, but you're going to be different this morning. Okay, here, listen to it. All right, say it with me. Everyone giving something. And everyone giving more than they ever gave before. Now, that wasn't real good, but we're not going to do it over again, okay? But you know something? Wouldn't that be something? If you're not already giving to missions this morning, if you're not already giving through faith promise, then your prayer ought to be, Dear Lord, what would you have me to give? Okay? And then if you are giving, your prayer ought to be, Dear Lord, how much would you have me to increase my giving? See, Paul said to the same church at Corinth, when your faith is increased, we the missionaries shall be enabled by you to preach the gospel in the regions beyond. So really, our faith ought to increase. 
My first faith promise was $5 a week. That was in 1968. Uh, Last year, I made my 50th faith promise commitment. And every year for 50 years, I've been able to, to raise my faith promise commitment. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. Uh, You've seen the slides. You've seen the videos this week. You've heard the missionaries telling about the field, about their needs and so forth. And, And God is speaking to our heart and he's saying, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Let your heart get in this. Let your heart get in this. It's not just a matter of intellectual thinking, but let your heart tell you what you need to do. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give it. The purposing of the giver. Then I've got some good news for you. Look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things. By the way, there's a lot of alls there, amen? That you might abound to every good work. Let me simplify verse 8. I believe from the depth of my heart, this is what it's saying. When I pray and get the mind of God about what God would have me to give to missions on a weekly basis, and... I put that amount on a faith promise commitment card like you're going to do this morning. And then week after week after week, I do what I have committed to do. Then what the verse is saying is, then God will continue to give to you so you'll have to give to others. Every man, okay, and God is able. By the way, it didn't say the government of Canada is able. It didn't say some company is able. It said God is able to give it to you so you'll have to give to others. What would God have you to do this morning? It's an individual thing. Every man, every woman. And maybe some of you ladies say, well, you know, I, I don't have a home, job outside my home. I don't have a salary. But you do control some money, don't you? Teenagers control money. Everybody has something. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. You know, sometimes when we think about the great need of missions, the great need of our church here in, in, in Simcoe, uh, we get that. It wouldn't it be great if God would give us some millionaires. And by the way, if you are a millionaire and you've been saved by the grace of God and you want to live right and you want to join uh, Bethel Baptist Church, they won't reject you just because you're a millionaire, okay? But the bottom line is God doesn't necessarily need some millionaires. You know what God needs? All God needs is some channels. Let's... Let's thank God this morning. We in North America have been specially blessed of God, have we not? I mean, you travel to many countries around the world and then you come back here 
and you realize how good God has been to us. And I often think, many of us as Christians here in North America, uh, we receive so much from God, and we have received so much. And many receive like this. But thank God, many have learned to receive like this. And you know something? That's all God's looking for. It's just some people that he can channel his blessings through them. By the way, I've learned something by giving every year, increasing my giving every year, that God will give a whole lot more through me than he would just to me. God's not looking for some reservoir he can put his money in. God is looking for some channels that he can put his blessings through them. And when God can find an individual and God can find a group of people like Bethel Baptist Church, that he can just channel his blessings through them. There is literally no limit to how much he will give through us. Look at it again. He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man According as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly. In other words, well, I have to. No, 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 no. Faith promise is not something I have to do. Faith promise is something I get to do. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward me, that always having all sufficiency in all things, that may abound to every good work. Let me close by saying this. Why should I give the faith promise? Why should I give the faith promise? If you have your Bibles open, look over in verse 8, and I close with this. Verse 8. The Apostle Paul, again, now all of chapter 8, all of chapter 9, He's speaking to the church at Corinth about giving to missions. And in verse 9, he says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Hey, look at that. For you know, hey, wait a minute. Paul is writing to Christians. And he is saying, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, he did not say, you know about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what he said. You know, you know, you know. You know what he said? You know experientially about the grace of God. You have experienced the grace of God. If you're saved this morning, you have experienced the grace of God. 
For by grace are you saved through faith. That enough, you. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So Paul is talking about Christians. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, oh, how rich he was. Yet for your sakes, he became poor. So poor that all the sins of the world were placed upon him. And we hear him crying out from the cross, Elah, Elah, Lama Sabakatha, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And for the first time in all eternity, God the Father and God the Son is separated because God the Son has become sin. And God the Father has turned his back from Egypt. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That ye through his poverty might become rich. If you've been saved by the grace of God, you are rich indeed. Amen. You are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And we'll spend eternity in heaven with him. Hey, by the way. If you don't know the grace of God, don't, need, don't even think about giving the faith promise. What you need to do is get saved, okay? But if you know the grace of God, if you have experienced the grace of God, then just out of pure thankfulness to Him, we are to give so the rest of the world can know what we know. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I'm going to ask the pastor to come and he will explain the faith promise way to do that and uh, lead us in our prayer and invitation.